This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Hi, this is Shane. And this is Virginia. And this is Wait You've Never Seen, a podcast dedicated to discussing well-known movies and TV shows that one of us has never seen. And today we're discussing, wait, you've never seen the best years of our lives? Was I supposed to? (laughs) I always feel guilty when we get to that part. I'm actually not too surprised that tons of people haven't seen this <laughs> well, movie. Yeah. I don't know if it really fits into the, oh my god, you haven't seen it, but I love it, and you haven't seen it. And so that loosely fits into our of course into our format I here. Get it. But before we get started, we want to talk a little bit about some trigger warnings. There's some more related disability um, people making fun of amputees, and um, there's some like night terrors and stuff so um just to be on the lookout for that and also there's some really i mean they were common at the time but racial slurs towards specifically japanese people but i think they toss in a few german ones as well um and like war trophies and whatnot which is a little a little awkward it can be unless we're just talking about i'm just hoping they're just talking about banners with nazi images on them like how captain von trapp just like rip that Nazi flag in half. Yes. That would be amazing. Kind of sad you've seen Sound of Music because I would love to talk about that. It would be very difficult for me to sit through it, quite (laughs) frankly. (laughs) Anyway, so let's get on with the best years of our lives. What were three things you expected from this movie you knew nothing about? Well, I knew that it was post-World War II, so I thought it would be an attitude of let's just pretend everything's fine now. Mm-hmm. The American version of Keep Calm and Carry On. Right. <laughs> um, I know that you, uh, Virginia, did your thesis on prosthetics after post-World War II. Correct. So I sort of knew that that was at the, you know, the, the disability would be a part of this movie. Yes. Uh, I also had a feeling that this movie... Um, that this movie will not know what it wants to be. That it'll have moments where it's a drama, and then it's a comedy, and then it's a romance. And even parts where the director is pretending that it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not really clear here on, did you expect to like it or not like it? It sounds like you thought you were going to be bored. It's I absolutely it- thought I was going to be bored. <laughs> I gave it two stars. I mean, before I mean, I guessed that I would... It, it's funny. You're gonna guess what, like how how you'd rate something before you've even seen it, which right. which is, I mean, I suppose every dissertation on the internet is all about rating something before you see it. So I guess mm-hmm. that makes, I guess mm-hmm. that makes sense. I gave it two stars. It's two hours and forty eight minutes long. <laughs> so I did think that I might get bored. In my defense, I had forgotten it was two hours and forty eight minutes long because it's been a while since I've seen it before we watched it this time. But yeah, it, it was it was kind of long. Um. So what was your one sentence TV guide summary? My one sentence is, "War's over. Everything will be just, uh, it'll be just fine. Really, just swell." 
<laughs> Which I think that's... I think swell was the official word of the 1940s and 50s. Yeah, I didn't realize that people said swell in the 40s. I, th- I thought that was like a 50s thing. But yeah, they did say... S- and by the way, I guessed correctly that they were going to say the word swell. Oh my goodness. <laughs> swell was like 30% of the movie. So are you interested in hearing what IMDb had to say? Absolutely. What's what's their description of this film? So, The Best Years of Our Lives, 1946. The rating, it just says approved. <laughs> right. Um, it This actually says it's two hours, 50 minutes. So maybe we got an edited version that's <laughs> two hours out. and 48 minutes. It, well, it really clipped along. Right. Without those two minutes. <laughs> um, it's a drama, romance, war movie, so... I guess checked a lot of those boxes there. That was on purpose for it to be an amalgam of many genres. And um, the description says three World War II veterans return home to small town America to discover that they and their families have been irreparably changed. So yeah, I think you kind of it's the it's the same general vibe that I'm getting from your summary as well. Yeah, pretty good guess, if I do say so myself. You do. So, how did things meet or not meet your expectations? Well, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I mean, all you can do is go up from there, I suppose. I think you really sell these classic movies short. You always seem to think you're going to be, like, bored or it's... Well, okay, the birds notwithstanding, okay, because that was kind of boring. But I didn't. That's funny. That's it's ironic though because I didn't expect to be bored. Because I'm like, <laughs> oh, like Hitchcock, this master of right. horror and suspense. I'm gonna love it. <laughs> and then, well, I mean, we didn't watch this for the show, but we recently attempted to watch The Bellboy because we oh. thought that would be pretty funny. And and we were it's bored. So bored. In seven less than, minutes. Yeah, less than ten minutes. It's like let's. Let's watch the unsinkable Molly Brown. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I watched all of that. <laughs> oh, I love Debbie Reynolds. We're getting a little off topic okay. here. Yes. So. So yeah, this movie. Could, so I gave it my my reassessment of it is three and a half stars. That's pretty good. But this movie could have been edited, um, edited better. It's a weird word. Edited it better. The viewer doesn't need to see. Like everything happening, like if if a woman's getting dressed, just let her get dressed, and we can move on with our day. I don't understand why we need to see every single step of every single thing. Now, the exception, of course, is when uh, Harold Russell, who plays Homer Parrish, Homer Parrish, he has uh he's a double amputee yes and he has two what do they call the prosthetic hooks prosthetic hooks um the exception there is i i want to see him light a cigarette i want to see i want to see how he uses his i don't know if that's weird and that's part of that was actually part of the purpose of the movie was to familiarize uh, civilians who had remained stateside, who hadn't seen like the horrors of war. You have these um, injured soldiers returning, um, and you know Marines and sailors. Um, and so it's just sort of a, like you want to normalize everything as much as possible, whether whether or not like there's a whole conversation to be had about what's normal and what's not normal. But for the purposes of this movie and this conversation, normal is. Um, 
white, small-town America, fully able-bodied, straight, Christian, like, just white-bred America. So (laughs) you want to normalize his injury into this society. You show him, like, very adeptly lighting a cigarette or picking up a a glass of lemonade or um, playing the piano or whatever. Um, Obviously, he's going to have some setbacks because you don't want to give, like, this... You also don't want to give this image to the families that they're returning to, like, oh, he's going to be a superhuman and nothing's ever going to go wrong. Okay, there's going to be, like, sometimes he'll drop the glass. Right. Or sometimes, you know, he won't be able to get the top button or or whatever when he's buttoning his shirt. But overall, this is going to be a normal thing. Nobody freak out. Everything's cool. Right, right. So, um... You had bumped it up a little bit, which, like I said, I think you sell these classic movies a little bit short sometimes. Wait, is it? Because you said two is stars. It out of, is it out of five stars or out of four stars? What's our rating system? Five stars. Oh, four, so, sorry, four and a half. Four and a half. Okay. Four and a half. Sorry. I, oh, wow. That's really good. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, yeah, for some reason I thought it was out of four. Um, yeah, it was... It, we could have really seen three separate... We could have seen a trilogy of service people coming home after the war and how they... You know, because we have these three... Basically, there's three subsets of, you know, th- three... Um, right. We have um, we have Fred, who's... Um, I believe he's a captain. And he's the one who got married right before he went off to war and his family seems to be a little bit lower income. Like, his dad's house pretty much looks like just a shack kind of by the railroad tracks. Right. Then we have um, Homer and the Parrish family, and they are a little bit more um, middle class. He was like a... He was a... Yeah, white picket fence. He was a sailor. I can't remember which class. Like, whatever the... Like, one of the... um, is it an ensign in the Navy? I don't know. I think so. It's not private. That's the Army, I think. My brother's probably yelling at the, My brother's probably yelling it's against this. It's this one. <laughs> um, so anyway, so he's sort of um, a younger in the military, but going back to his suburban white picket fence family. And then there's um, Al, who was a sergeant in the Army, and he seems to... You know, he worked for a bank, and he seems to have, like, more of a upper class. Like, they live in a place with a doorman, which to me says they're rich. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, like you're saying, it could almost have been, here's the story about Fred, and here's the story about Homer, and here's the story about Al. Instead of, I mean, they work really well together because they all sort of interconnect. But, yeah, you could have just done three whole separate things. If this was done today it would have been done as like a netflix you know three-part series right like three-part miniseries right <laughs> you know um so this was this was harold russell's first acting job is that is that right sort of okay so harold russell plays um homer parish uh something that i really like about this movie is um 
Even today, you won't see a whole lot of disabled actors playing disabled roles because yeah. a lot of directors and casting agents will just cast able-bodied actors as disabled characters. Um, well, there was the kid in Glee right, in the wheelchair. They right. just, like, you know, put someone in and, a wheelchair. Yeah, you could have found uh, an actor, a disabled actor who uses a wheelchair. I mean... To me, it's, it, they probably didn't look that hard, personally. That's what I think. But anyway, so what I like about this movie is that they got an actual disabled character, disabled actor, to play the disabled character. So this, however, was not his first acting job per se, I guess. Um, so he was actually in the military. He was in the, he was Navy, in the right? army. Oh, he wasn't in the navy. Why would they depict him as a as in the Navy if he wasn't in the Navy? Um, because it was the best years of our lives was based on a on a book or on some sort of, oh, and in that okay. in that story he was part of the Navy, and I guess they wanted to go with the he was injured in the ship battle or whatever because that's how in the in the movie Homer loses his uh, loses his hands in. Um, I can't remember if it was a submarine. No, he said he was on an aircraft carrier, I think, because he said something about the planes landing and he wished he could be on one of them or something. Um, and they had, like, some sort of firefight, and he was injured during that. So that's that's why he was in the... He was in the Navy in the movie, but he was in the Army in real life. Mm -hmm. And the thing was, he was injured on D-Day, but not in the D-Day invasion. Was it explosives? He was an explosives trainer mm. at uh, a North Carolina base and they had been listening to whatever sort of radio coverage or updates they would get at a military base regarding the invasion. I know it was super secret so probably not much but I mean you hear something. And so they were you know really um, amped up about it, you know, we're D-Day invasion, we're sticking it, sticking it to the Nazis. <laughs> um, and, you know, they got a little distracted and someone didn't handle the explosives quite right and they exploded right in his hands. And um, they took him to the hospital and had to amputate um, below his elbows. So, um, while he was in the hospital, he was, you know, kind of bummed out, as you would be. Um, and there was a movie they showed them one day, uh, sort of an instructional video, that was called uh, Meet McGonagall. And it you showed <laughs> me this. Meet McGonagall. Yes. And it was a, a, a sort of a film about uh, Charles McGonagall. And he had served in World War One, and also um, been injured in that war and had both of his hands amputated. So what they were showing them was this is how Charles McGonagall gets through his day. He shaves, he does, he does up his own buttons, he, you know, drives a car, he does all of this stuff. He, like, goes to a job like a normal person. Mm -hmm. Um... But the thing was, in this movie, they also said things like um, they wanted to make sure 
that people were aware that um, that Charles McGonagall was just a regular guy. Like, um, he decided to try out the hooks for uh, the prosthetic hooks because he didn't think anyone could comb his hair as well as he could because it, his family has a very specific cowlick that only they can <laughs> control. <laughs> Or That's great. he could use regular buttons on his shirt, but he uses the hook, uh, the time, he uses like loops on the buttons just to save time though. If he really wanted to, he could use the real buttons. So it's, it's sort of giving them this idea like, okay, you can, you can still lead this normal life with minimum assistance. So Harold Russell was really like, that really got his attention and he's like hey this guy can do all of this stuff I'm gonna do it too um, so he right. um, you know he went about uh, his rehabilitation and everything and when he was done he had actually um, undergone rehabilitation much faster than uh, McGonagall I think I think but um, he was approached by the the uh, military to do sort of a follow-up to meet McGonagall because the thing about Charlie McGonagall was that he had served in World War One. He'd had 35-ish years to perfect his use of these prosthetic hooks. Yeah. You're showing it to these men who have come home from war that they've only been, you know, amputees for less than six months and they're just now learning how to use these prosthetics and everything so can't really relate to i mean it's hard it's probably hard to relate to a guy who's 35 years older than you or however long right so um so he created an updated well i say he created he didn't actually create it he starred in an updated version about himself called diary of a soldier Mm -hmm. and it talked about how he was you know how he got injured, how he was depressed after he, you know, realized he wouldn't be able to do some of the things he did before. And, um, you know, and then showed sort of how he was able to um, relearn a bunch of things. Like the first thing that he learned was how to hold a cigarette with his residual limbs. And a friend could light the cigarette for him. I mean, that was really sort of a not a status symbol at the time, but it was like everybody smoked. It was just a thing. Like, right. we didn't know about lung cancer. It was just a cool thing to do. We're going to smoke. And, and you, s- it's something you could do all... You could do 20 times a day. Right. So there's this repetitious, you know, movement. So it's, it's actually, a good, weirdly enough, <laughs> I can see it being a good thing to, to practice because people would smoke so much, you know? Right. So, um, after he had, um, after he had done this Diary of a Soldier film, it was actually William Wyler, who was the director of Best Years of Our Lives, saw the film and knew he was going to be making this movie about the best years of our lives and decided to cast Harold Russell as Homer Parrish. So, uh. the long way around your question is, it was his first like Hollywood acting job but it wasn't really his first acting job although right. his first acting job was sort of autobiographical I guess right I mean like like 
Babe, uh, Babe Ruth starred in his own movie, and he was horrible. <laughs> he was horrible and self-conscious in it. What it? They say that like, um. Anyway, he had amazing, uh, natural acting skills. Um, or is it talent? Uh-huh. He wasn't. He wasn't self-conscious at all. In, at all in front of the camera. When I watch. When I watch The Beatles and A Hard Day's Night, uh-huh. and Peter, uh, Peter, <laughs> when John, uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney are talking together, they're just like just two cool, two hey, cool man, guys, just relaxed. The camera's on them, and but they don't even they're not even acting like it's on. They're this just, is when they're playing. They're playing themselves, mm-hmm. and they're just very natural. And then they they like. And then poor Ringo shows up, and he's like, he just looks very tense, and everything he does, he has this nervous, weird laugh <laughs> that he does, and it's just, it's. He doesn't have very like, good stage presence. Oh, poor, poor fella! You need, you don't, you need drums in front of you, <laughs> and to have three other fellas in front of you. Yes. <laughs> before you start to feel a little comfortable, I guess. So anyway, you can't just. It's amazing that um, that Harold was able to be next to these, you know, seasoned actors, and you couldn't tell the difference acting wise. It wasn't like bring in the, you know, bring in the non actor. Right, right. It was well done. So, um, something that I noticed is, um, well, of course, readjustment is like a main theme in the movie how are these how are these men and how are their families going to deal with the return from war because war affects people in a lot of different ways sure um i don't i'm not a veteran or anything so i can't speak from experience but um it just you see a lot of trying you see a lot of the readjustment in the movie and they don't always try to like clean it up i guess um because again, like I don't think they wanted to give too rosy a picture to the viewers. Like everything is going to be all sunshine and roses once they get back. Like, okay, most of it's going to be okay, but sometimes they're going to have nightmares or they're going to have a drinking problem or which is you know which is, which is good. I mean, that's that's very realistic. Yeah. You know? um, speaking of things that are realistic and not realistic, um, Peggy took Peg- a. Peggy, who's Al's daughter, okay. took a class in domestic sciences, which is how she learned how to wash dishes. That's what I mean when I say they're rich. Because I was washing dishes when I was like seven. And wouldn't you just kind of know how to wash dishes? I mean, I would assume like, well, in, the, in that particular time period, it would have been her mom doing the dishes probably. That her mom would have shown her, but since her mom's rich, like, she probably doesn't know how to wash dishes either. I don't know. I just found that very, like, I mean, I took a home ec class in high school, and that was not on the, that was not on the itinerary washing dishes. Like, filling the dish filled with food seems, is a lot more complicated than just, you know what, it's filthy now. You have to make it clean. That's your job. Here's some soap and water. Go figure it out. <laughs> I can't imagine it would be that difficult to figure out. Um, which um, kind of leads me into the Bechdel test, which um, 
it does it does pass and in the almost three hours of the movie it does manage to pass but it's very brief and very like um i can't think of the right word incidental like they just there's i mean obviously the movie's about these three guys these right. three men so um uh, superficial is the word superficial I was to so their conversations are very um superficial Oh, Miss Parrish, would you like more lemonade? Or good night, Mom. Good night, sweetheart. Like, right. um, so yeah, and I didn't. I honestly didn't really expect it to pass because it is a, a movie about returning veterans, and at that time, um, there wasn't a lot of gender diversity in the ring. I mean, you had the, the yeah. you had uh, the wax and the wasps and the waves and all of that stuff. Um, but Do they all have cute names like that? I think so. <laughs> um, and they all started with W because they were women. the women. Yeah. yeah. Um, but overall, it was gonna. I knew it was gonna be dominated by the male perspective, which right. I mean, obviously. So, um, um, I I was gonna talk a little bit more about disability portrayal with Harold Russell, but is there anything else you want to talk about that before then? Mm-mm. No, please do. So, um, my biggest issue with this movie, and this is from watching, um, like, Meet McGonagall and Diary of a Soldier, and then, um, for my thesis, I also interviewed someone who was a little bit younger during World War II. Um, he did a sort of day in the life of an amputee movie later, Jerry Levy. Um... Just based on the stuff that I've learned from from them or seen them do, there is no way that they would have let Homer Parrish out of the VA hospital if he didn't know how to perform basic function. Like, he would need to know how to dress himself, undress himself, brush his teeth, brush his hair. Like they show you how to like i said earlier one of the first things he did was hold a cigarette you know right. kind of using his um they put like a contraption on his residual limb so that he could hold it like um there's just no way that that scene with wilma where he was like i'm helpless as a baby like no you would have been able to do those things that's the purpose of being in the rehabilitation hospital yeah, they make it sound. He made it sound like he's he would be trapped. He's trapped in the room right at night if the door if the door happens to close because if he if he didn't have his prosthetics on right now which I'm, isn't I don't know is that I mean is that I don't I don't even know if that's true or not I do not know that either. Mm. Um, it seems like it seems like. Um, because he did say towards the end that he had figured out how to put his prosthetics on himself. So it seems to me like if there was a fire or something, he would be able to put his prosthetic hooks on and then open the door. Yeah. Um, but again, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about that. Um, I just thought of something. Why wouldn't they? And this maybe, <laughs> maybe you can cut out later. But, but like. If that's if that's a real concern, then just put rubber around the outside, around the inside, the um, the handle on the inside of the door, 
So it would be easier with residual limbs to turn that handle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's got to be another answer besides, well, I'll be trapped in here. Right. Yeah, he just, it, that really kind, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Because that really kind of upset me in the movie because I had just, um, I was watching it while I was writing my thesis. So I'm seeing them do these like documentary things the way they actually did them. And then this movie that's like, oh, I'm so helpless. But the the other thing is, is like, that's sort of the way that they want you to think. Because like in Jerry Levy's movie, he was able to shave, you know, wash his hair, get in the shower, like every single thing. That guy can fly a plane, he can, by the way. He can fly a plane. There's no there's no situation in which I would ever be willing to learn how to fly a plane. He has a three legged dog, that's true. Well, that's, I'm sure he doesn't now. It's adorable. That that dog's probably gone on to the no. the great dog park in the sky. Um but he is, um, we should say Jerry Levy is a double amputee, right? Yes, he is. Um, he he was able to do all of these things, but then, and this was in the sixties or seventies that he made this film. He went into the kitchen, and his wife's making his breakfast for him. So, in all of these all of these movies, it's like okay, they can do these things up to a point but we still rely on the women as caregivers to take over these like there's no point that i saw where they're like okay gentlemen we're gonna teach you how to fry an egg like they're just gonna assume you're a heteronormative guy you're gonna either have a mother or you're gonna get married eventually and Mm -hmm. your wife will cook these things for you right so to me that's that's interesting that they're they're training them, training amputees to be self-sufficient, but only in like this masculine, stereotypically masculine way. Um, I mean, I could go on and on about this movie forever, <laughs> like literally forever, probably. Um, so, um, yeah, it, I mean, this movie isn't really heavy on the pop culture, but are there any pop culture references that? you understand now or yeah i don't i don't think this movie you know soaked into the fiber of pop culture right right but honestly it could it it should (laughs) it should be like like i don't know if there's been a portrayal of disability that's as good as this one even with its flaws i don't know if there's been a recent in addition to pop culture that that really addresses uh, disability in in a in a realistic way right oh i remember something i was going to say too is that this movie it almost swept the oscars right so in the academy awards for 1947 the best years of our lives won seven awards Plus an honorary award and was nominated for an additional award. So, would you like to guess what the honorary award was for? Even though I've already told you? Because it's something I can't shut up about. For being super. So, Harold Russell is the only person to have won two Oscars for the same role, the same performance. So, this isn't like... 
Terminator and Terminator 2 and spoiler <laughs> alert we're watching Terminator next time um, and Schwarzenegger Which wins also the also has prosthetics in it I should say it's true <laughs> so Schwarzenegger winning for Terminator and Terminator 2 he would still be winning twice for the same role but this was in the same movie, the same movie. yeah you, you should actually say it's the same two Oscars for one movie really right and so the what it, I'm gonna okay this is from Wikipedia but it is it is accurate based on my own research it's just concise so that's okay. why I'm reading it from Wikipedia no, I'm not judging you so when <laughs> film director William Wyler saw the film on Russell that's Diary of a Soldier he sergeant ca- sorry Diary of a Sergeant that's right whoops sorry <laughs> Um, he cast him in The Best Years of Our Lives with Frederick March and Dana Andrews. Russell played the role of Homer Parrish, a United States Navy sailor who lost both hands during the war. For his role as Parrish, Russell won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in 1947. Earlier in the ceremony, he was awarded an honorary Oscar for bringing hope and courage to his fellow veterans. The special award had been created because the Board of Governors very much wanted to salute Russell a non-professional actor, but assumed he had little chance for a competitive win. It was the only time in Oscar history that the Academy has awarded two Oscars for the same performance. Now, unfortunately, many years later, he had to pay for his wife's medical bills here in the good old U.S. of A., and uh, he auctioned off his Best Supporting Actor Oscar and kept the honorary Oscar. the academy offered to buy it back and give him the money for it but he refused and now you have to sign a thing with the academy that you won't auction off your auction off your your awards so yeah and then he only acted like twice after that i'm really surprised yeah i'm really surprised but he became very involved with american i think it's called amvets american vets and he was really like a like a not a pioneer i guess but he was really instrumental in veterans rights after he returned from the war Oh, okay or after he was out of the army i guess yeah well that's great see i told you i could talk about it all day <laughs> <laughs> oh and i thought of a pop culture reference although you don't you don't um really love golden girls as much as i do um there's an episode where um Blanche is dating a pharmacist, mm-hmm. but she doesn't know he's a pharmacist because she started dating him when he was a soldier about to go into the Persian Gulf War. Okay. <laughs> and it's called From Here to the Pharmacy. Oh my gosh. And she comes home after <laughs> From Here to the Pharmacy. After a, after a date with her her new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a wonderful night. Now that Bill's getting out of the service, we can build a life together. Maybe with a VA loan, we can get a nice little house in the country with a dog, a cat, a station wagon. Why aren't you talking like it's 1945? <laughs> These aren't the best years of your life. These are the last years of your life. Oh, that's funny. She yeah. actually did. I'm like, how could there possibly be a reference? It's true. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So, how would the movie be different with today's technology? Now, the good thing about the prosthetics there... I'm sorry, I, I, should, I shouldn't I should just railroad over you on well, this. Well, obviously, yeah, you know more about 
uh, prosthetics and the technology that side of technology than I do. Um, I would think that. Um, I mean, it's hard to say. Like World War Two wouldn't happen. <laughs> World War Two wouldn't happen today. Um, but like, just yeah, just strictly the um, uh, just strictly the technology. Yeah, I got. I kind of got nothing. I guess. <laughs> On the prosthetic side, um, World War Two was kind of a turning point for the production of prosthetics. Prior to that, it was a lot of wood, a lot of steel, a lot not steel, a lot of wood, a lot of iron. Um, just things that were not very, they were very bulky and cumbersome. So during... They weren't useful either. Wasn't that the, right. wasn't that the turning point too? The, right. The fact that they went from just cosmetic to useful. Right. So during and following World War II, a lot of aircraft manufacturers started, um, Adapting the materials they had made for airplanes in World War II into these lightweight, more useful prosthetics, yeah. um, which we're talking about more like plastics and different kinds of metal and fiberglass. And so from that point on, really, it's just been um, pretty steady improvements. Um, there's always talk of like, you know, a Luke Skywalker robot arm or or whatever and, and they have made some progress in that sort of thing there's also um, and this isn't um, I don't believe this is FDA approved in America but I know it is in Australia where some people if they're um, complete arm amputees there are prosthetics that you can sort of bolt into shoulder bones so that they wow. can like if you're driving a car you can feel the vibrations in your shoulder, so you kind of know it's like a, it's a totally different technology that I'm not well versed on. Yeah. But um, so there's just a lot of things being tried, and I don't know. I mean, it's sad to say, like with, you know, IEDs and different kind of explosives, the need for, um, further development of prosthetics is going to keep happening as yeah. long as stuff like that happens well they say with the as far as war is like modern day war is concerned because of things like body armor the soldiers can be better way better protected than they were before mm -hmm. so you do have a lot more um a lot more people losing their uh losing limbs instead of their life right shout out to tammy duckworth by the way right senator who is a military veteran um, injured in a Black Hawk helicopter crash, I believe, and now lost both her legs and the use of one of her arms. But she just had a baby, and the baby's so cute. Did we mention that she's a she's a con she's a sitting senator? Sitting senator, the first sitting senator to have given birth while in office. That's well, sitting senator while in office is the same thing. <laughs> anyway. So do we have anything else to discuss? Like, I will... <laughs> you have many things to discuss, but I think... <laughs> Maybe that needs to be a special episode. I don't know. It could just be me reading my thesis. If you want to go to sleep, here, let me read oh, my thesis it. for you. <laughs> but I will put links to those videos I was talking about. Um, the Meet McGonagall, Diary of a Sergeant, and um, Meet Jerry Levy. I'll put that on our website so people can watch them if they want to and kind of see what that was all about. Excellent. 
So I think that about wraps it up. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and also on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network at CosmicPotato.com. Episode transcripts and links to what we talked about are available on our website, like I just said, at WaitYou'veNeverSeen.com. And we're on Facebook and Twitter under WaitYNS. You can email us at WaitYou'veNeverSeen at gmail.com. Leave us some feedback and let us know if you have any suggestions for movies we should watch. That's our show for today. Next time we'll be watching The Terminator. I'm not going to really do my Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, I, I got to hold, hold it back. I'll be back. Thanks for listening. <laughs> that was bad. Oh, you think that was bad? My I'll be back was bad. <laughs>